of your word this morning. We pray, Lord God, that you have your way in each and every heart. And Lord, we pray across this land, as your word is preached, that you do all according to your sovereign will. Lord, we pray for Austin today as he preaches at Maidenbower while his son is enjoying holiday. We pray, Lord God, you would empower him to preach to that congregation, to stir them, to teach them, to guide them. And Lord, we pray for Chris over at Christ as well, that again, as he preaches your word this morning, that you will empower him as he has prepared his heart before you and you would speak to those people. Father, we ask you here, Lord, will you open up our minds and hearts? Would you show us things that we've never seen or heard before? Would you teach us? Would you guide us? Would you cause us to come to your feet in love and worship because of the things that you have done and because you've opened our eyes to them? Lord, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll turn your attention then back to uh, Acts chapter 2 as we continue in our context, verses 37 through to 47. And this is the crowd's response from the message that was delivered by Peter on the day of Pentecost. And we've been through a number of these verses already. We're now going to be looking at or at least continuing to look in Acts 2, verse 42. We've seen last week that they continued steadfastly. Verse 42 says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. These are the very people, the 3,000 people who we've read in the previous verse, were saved that day. The 3,000 souls that were added to what? To the church of Jesus Christ. 3,000 people in a single day added to the church. And again, we make note that although there aren't 3,000 people here this morning, there are 3,000 people and more as the word is being preached across this nation and, of course, the globe. We have no idea this morning how many people are going to come to faith through the preaching of God's word this morning. It may be in their hundreds of thousands across this globe. And so we know that God is still at work and we read these verses and we sometimes wonder and hope, oh Lord, will you do it again? But he is doing it. Make no mistake about it, he is doing it. He is still saving souls. Albeit we do, of course, pray for revival, that we may see a glorious work of Christ in our villages, in our towns, in our cities, where we live. That he might do something wonderful. That in fact the whole village, the whole town, the whole city may come under the weight of sin. And that they may be found in their usual day-to-day business crying out to God for mercy. That is absolutely possible. The question is, do we really believe that? We have seen, we have read about it in years gone by. And I want to say this to you this morning. This is not on my notes, but 
God is not finished. If he had finished, the world, the sky would roll up, the earth would be burnt with fire, and we would find ourselves this day in the glory of God because he's finished his work. But we're still here. We're still preaching. We're still hearing the word of God. We're still living our lives as Christians before our families and our friends. And so God's not finished. That's why I encouraged you earlier, whoever you're praying for, whether it be family, friends, whatever, keep praying. Keep seeking the face of God. But it says in verse 42, they continued steadfastly. Last week, we looked at the fact that God causes his people to continue. To continue on. That none of these people, there is nothing in this context. And and as we look at these people and how they were tret, they continued still in all that they had learned and all that they were learning and in all that happened in their lives. They were converted, they were saved. And they continued, and not only continued, but they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, in fellowship, in breaking bread, and in prayer. They continued on in the life of a Christian in the church. And there is nothing here to tell us that any of these people fell away, that any of them were apostates. And so they continued, and continued by the power of God upon them, Yes, we work with God. We partner with God in sanctification. We strive for that holiness for which without we can't see God. We strive to put to death the deeds of the flesh, as it says in Romans 8.13, mortifying those deeds by the power of the Spirit of God. But without the Spirit of God upon us and in us, we cannot and will not run away from sin. We will run to it because we love it. I'm sorry if that offends, but we love sin. Sin to us is like honey to a bee. It's sweet. It's delicious. It's like nectar. We long for it. We ache for it. We crave for it. Why was it so easy for Eve to take the fruit from the tree? Because she looked at it with her eyes and it just looked so good. Not only for food, but to make one wise. And that shows us this morning that we all crave wisdom and power and knowledge one way, shape or form. But here we see they continue. But this this week we're going to look at the fact that they continued in the apostles' doctrine. This is the first stage of these four pillars of the church. The apostles' doctrine, fellowship, breaking bread and prayer. They continued steadfastly. In the apostles' doctrine. What is the doctrine of the apostles? Well, simply put, really, when we look at this word doctrine, it is merely or characteristically the teaching of the apostles. These people steadfastly continued in learning and listening and coming under the teaching of the apostles. When we look at the complete word study dictionary of the New Testament, this is what we read. The New Testament employs two terms for teaching. The first one, didash, and the second, didaskalia. Generally speaking, didash means the substance of teaching, and didaskalia, the act of teaching. 
In the King James Version, this distinction is not made so apparent since both Didash, which we see in Matthew 7, 28, and in 16, 12, for example, and Didascalia, Ephesians 4, 14, 1 Timothy 4, 1, are usually rendered doctrine. They're both rendered doctrine, the same word. Both Didash and Didascalia are used in the active and passive senses. For example, the act of teaching and what is taught. The passive is predominant in Didash, which always means the act and content of Christian instruction. And this is the, the piece that I want to note particularly. It also stresses the authority of the teacher, while the latter, Didascalia, stresses the act of teaching and literally means that which belongs to the teacher. I wanted to read that because it's important that we note that the word used in this context of Acts 2.42 is didash. Which not only gives the emphasis of the act of teaching, but stresses the authority of the teacher. That's vitally important. It's not only what's taught, but it, it, it puts across the vital importance of the authority of the one who teaches. In Acts 4.13, Peter and John are stood before the council and rulers and the priests after being arrested for healing the man at the beautiful gate and preaching salvation in Jesus Christ. We read, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, speaking of the, the Jews, the council, the Pharisees, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men. They marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. These men were fishermen by and large, with a couple of tax collectors maybe thrown in. They weren't trained in the rabbinical schools of the time. In fact, they were most likely rejected. They weren't learned at the feet of such as Gamaliel, as Paul was. They were actually termed ignorant men. And it was clear that they were unlearned and ignorant men. We see that in the context. The, the, the Pharisees who heard them preach, they said that they, they perceived by their common tongue the fact that they were Galileans for one. They were unlearned and ignorant men. They were common. They perceived this and yet they marveled. And they took knowledge of them. This is, this is the, the most well-taught people. The teachers of Israel. The Pharisees who knew the Torah by the back of their hand. And it says this, that they marveled and they took knowledge of them. And what did they take knowledge of? Well, they saw their boldness, they heard their eloquence, but they took knowledge of them because they saw and perceived and knew that they had been with Jesus. 
That's what they saw. But what was said about Jesus and his teaching? Matthew 7, 28 and 29, which is the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Verse 28 says, It came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine, his didash. Not only the teaching, but the authority of the one doing the teaching. They were astonished at the teaching of Jesus, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. There we see distinction. The scribes were knowledgeable. They knew what they were talking about. They were intellectual. They even were the ones that wrote things down perfectly. We're not talking about just an everyday person here. We're talking about scribes who knew what they were doing, what they were teaching. But it says here that they saw that he was one who had authority, not as the scribes. So it doesn't just mean that because we know it all, because we study it all, because we give our lives to be able to eloquently write and teach things, that we have the authority. But Jesus here is, is seen that they, they saw, they perceived something. Because he taught them as one who had authority. He wasn't just teaching something he learned. He was teaching something that he knew that he was, that he had absolute authority on. So the doctrine that we're speaking of, the doctrine of the apostles, the teaching of the apostles, it was the teaching of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, of whom the Jews had said similar things. They have said to, about Jesus, who, who is the, who is this, who is this man? And many times he did things, said things, and what did they say to him? By what authority do you do these things? Why were they asking him that? He was, they were asking him that because he wasn't really, in a sense, as far as they were concerned, a true rabbi. Because he himself had not gone through the schools that they had gone through. And himself, no doubt, was a reject. So when he said and did things as a rabbi, they were, saying, they were saying to themselves, where, where, where does your authority come from to do these things? Because you've not been given it by the schools of the rabbis. But he said this, he said that his doctrine came from the Father. John 7, 14 through 16 now about the midst of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and taught. And again, the Jews marveled, saying, How knoweth this man letters, having never learned? Look at the question. They knew who he was. They knew he was a son of a carpenter from Nazareth. He wasn't a man who had been brought up in their schools. They knew this man had not learned the letters. Yet Jesus answered them and said, My doctrine, my didash, is not mine, but his that sent me. 
He has said himself that his doctrine is from the Father. So the apostles' doctrine, the apostles' teaching was that of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And his doctrine, he said himself, was not his own, but from the Father. And we, so we see that the apostles' doctrine is from heaven. It is the word of God himself. And these men steadfastly and continuously adhered to this teaching. There are some that say that they dislike Paul. I've had conversations with people who said that they don't really listen to Paul, they don't like what he says, they don't agree with his doctrine. But because of what we've just learned, we know this, that if you dislike or disagree with Paul, you dislike and disagree with Jesus Christ and with God himself. Because the doctrine of the apostles is the doctrine of Jesus and his Father. We cannot then pick and choose what we like and what we don't like. We can't say that we agree with Paul on one thing and disagree with Paul on another. For everything that he wrote and spoke of in these scriptures are the word of God. Matthew 28, 19 and 20 says this, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, disciple all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Jesus commanded the apostles to teach what? To teach whatsoever I have commanded you. He commanded them to teach what he had said. And so then we, we look at Paul and we see where he acquired his doctrine. Galatians 1, 11 and 12. If you want to read the context of this, read 6 through 12. But 11 and 12 says this, I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. This is where he got his doctrine from. He got it primarily and personally revelatory from the Lord Jesus Christ himself. 1 Thessalonians 2.13 says, For this cause also we thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which ye heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. This is where Paul acquired his doctrine, from God himself, through the Lord Jesus Christ, who revealed himself to him. And that is why he was an apostle. 
And the apostles were then given understanding and divine revelation, firstly, by Christ. Luke 24, 45 says, Then he opened their understanding, that they might understand the Scriptures. He opened up their understanding. This is the, the end of Luke, shortly before he ascended. And one of the last things he did was to open up their minds, open up their understanding that they might understand the Scriptures. Should give us a real idea, shouldn't it, just how important these words are. And that we ought to also pray that God, through his power of his Holy Spirit, may open our eyes, that we might see wonderful things in his law, as it says in Psalm 119. We might understand them, that he might illumine these words to us. The word says that the word is a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. And so therefore we must be in the word and we must be praying that we have that understanding. Not talking about revelation, talking about illumination. The revelation has been written in here for us. What we need is the illumination of the Spirit of God to understand the Scriptures. 1 Corinthians 11.23, Paul again says, For I have received of the Lord, this is the context he begins to, as he begins to teach about the Lord's Supper. He says, I have received of the Lord that which I also delivered unto you. I received it, from the Lord, and now I'm giving it to you. The teaching, the doctrine of the apostles. Received it from Christ, received it from God, and now we're giving it to you. But they also were given divine revelation by the Holy Spirit. John 16, very familiar. Per, uh, verse of, well, verses of scripture, passage of scripture, should I say. 13 through 15 says, Howbeit, when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself. But whatsoever he shall hear, that he shall speak. And he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me. For he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. How did we get the Gospels? The Gospels were written quite a long time after Christ had gone. Many years after. How did they get so, so much detail? How did they remember so much? Down to the words, the very words of the teachings of Christ. Because the Holy Spirit shall show it unto you. All the things that the Father hath on mine, therefore said I, he shall take of mine and shall show it to you. They were given. They were reminded. God promised. Jesus promised them that he would remind them of all the things that he had said. And therefore we know that they were given the ability to write the Gospels because they, were, they had their minds open to remember and he brought it all back so they could inerrantly write the gospels of Jesus Christ perfectly 
in such beauty and clarity and, clear, and, and, and clearness. And I shall show it to you. I shall bring to you remembrance. That's what the spirit of truth has come to do. To lead into all truth. And we are led into truth also by the spirit of God. Through what? Through the doctrine of the apostles. Which is the doctrine of Jesus Christ. Which is in turn the doctrine of God. This doctrine is to be our way of life. It says in the verse that we're looking at, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. And the same, friends, is for you and me. We need to continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Ephesians 2, 19 through 22 says, Now therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye are also builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. Does it need to be any clearer? You are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone. And we're being built up as a building fitly framed together. We're growing together in these doctrines into a holy temple of the Lord. And it says at the end there, you are builded together for what? For a habitation of God through the Spirit. 2 Timothy 2, 15 it says, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. This is not just for preachers. Again, this doctrine is to be our way of life. This, Paul is speaking to Timothy here, telling him to study. To show himself approved unto God. A workman. I don't think anybody here would want to stand before God being ashamed. And we should be a people who rightly divide the word of truth. And may God help us be so. We all have opinions. We can all talk about what we think the Bible says. We can all, all talk about what our bent is towards a certain doctrine or something we've always done and in a way we've always lived and in a doctrine that we may have always been taught by the church we've always been in. And those doctrines may be right, but they also may be wrong. And we must be workmen to rightly divide the word of truth. In the third chapter of 2 Timothy, Paul speaks to Timothy of perilous times in the last days. Men will be lovers of themselves. Narcissism, which we see hugely in the church today. 
prophetic, prophetic word come true there. Right now, today, narcissism in the church is growing and growing and growing. Self-centered preaching. Eisegesis. Narcissus. Expounding the word where everything that we read is all about me and I put myself in that story. I'll become David who slays Goliath. I'll become the prophet who stops the rain and the wind. Narcissus. He says there'll be lovers of themselves, covetous, there'll be boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, lovers of pleasure, more than lovers of God. And listen to these last words. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. Note this. These are those who appear to be believers. Holding a form of godliness. As did the Pharisees. As did the scribes. As did the false teachers and prophets. False Christians. These people... Friends, have not continued in the doctrine of the apostles. It's why they've gone off into all different myths and legends and falsehoods. 2 Timothy 4 says this, For the time will come when they will not endure sound teaching, sound didash, sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall heap to themselves teachers, having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Once again, something we see grievously happening in the church today. But, Paul says to Timothy, but, after saying all this, but you... You have fully known my doctrine. So he's warned him about all these types of people. All of these people that are in the church. But he says, but you. But you have fully known my doctrine. And he warns them, warns him that these evil men and seducers will what? They will wax worse and worse. Deceiving and being deceived. These people who we've just talked about will go from one thing to another, from bad to worse, deceiving others and deceiving themselves. But you, you have fully known my doctrine. And in verse 14 of this context, he says the word but again. But continue thou. Notice the theme. He's saying the same thing in Acts. They continued steadfastly. Timothy is being encouraged by Paul to continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing whom thou hast learned them. 
It's vitally important, friends, that you trust people who teach you. That you know them, that you have a relationship with them. Notice again in Acts 2.42, it says that they steadfastly continued in doctrine and fellowship. They knew the apostles. They knew from whom they were learning. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures. Which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Paul again urges Timothy. 1 Timothy 4.6 If thou... Put the brethren in remembrance of these things. Thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained. Again, let no man despise thy youth, he says to Timothy, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity, Till I come, he says, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of hands of the presbytery or the eldership. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. You see this continuance, this urgency, this telling Timothy that he must continue in these things. Continue steadfastly. In Exodus 24, 3, we read these words. And Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the judgments. And all the people answered with one voice and said, All the words which the Lord hath said, we will do. We must continue. This must be our way of life. The doctrines of the apostles. Biblical characters constantly refer to scripture themselves. In Daniel 10:21 we see an angel speaking to Daniel who says, "But I will show thee that which is noted in the scripture of truth." I will show thee that which is noted in the scripture of truth. It, is, it just shows you just how vital the scriptures are. That the angels of heaven are not just coming again with their own opinions or voices. or That they want to show what is here. What is written. Jesus says in Mark 12.10. Have ye not read this scripture? The stone which the builders rejected is become the head of the corner. Have you not read this scripture? And again, he began to say unto them, 
This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears, speaking of Luke 4, where he speaks of Isaiah 61, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. This day scripture is fulfilled. In Matthew 4, in three different verses, to the devil at the temptation in the wilderness, Jesus replied to him three times, it is written, it is written, it is written. The disciples themselves, in John 2.22, it says, When therefore he was risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this unto them, and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. Acts 8.35, Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus, speaking of the, of the eunuch and the chariot. Paul says in Romans 4.3, For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. What he's saying is, what, what does the scripture say about this? Well, the scripture says this. James 2.8 says, If ye fulfill the royal law according to the scripture... Thou shalt love thy neighbour as thyself, ye do well. So you see that the biblical characters themselves continued to refer to scripture, to the apostles' doctrine. So the warning for us today that we must take of this is that we must steadfastly continue in sound doctrine. It is an absolute must. Knowing from whom you learn them. Having relationships with people. Being in a church. Being steadfast in going to the church, the local church. Submitting ourselves to a local body. He can't develop a relationship to know whether somebody is teaching something that's true if you're never there. We must be those who give ourselves to the Bible. Because in it contains the truth of God. And this is what these people continually and steadfastly stayed in. All scripture says in 2 Timothy 2, 16, 17. 2 Timothy 3, I think it should be. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. Profitable. This all scripture from beginning to end is given by inspiration of God without error, pure truth. Is profitable for teaching for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect or complete, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. What do you need to live the Christian life? You need the scriptures and you need the spirit of God in you, teaching you, showing you and empowering you to live. 
That's what we need. He says that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. In Mark 12, 24, Jesus responding to the Pharisees says, And Jesus answering said unto them, Do ye not therefore err? The Pharisees, the Sadducees, were talking about the issue of um, the resurrection. They didn't believe in the resurrection. So he says, Do you not therefore err? Why did they err? Why were they in error? Because ye know not the Scriptures, neither the power of God. Titus 1.9 says, Holding fast the faithful word, as he hath been taught, that he may be able, by sound doctrine, both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. Let me tell you this, you can get into arguments with unbelievers, you can get into arguments with people of other religions, but if you do not know this, then you are wasting your time. If you don't know the scriptures, if you don't understand them, it's a waste of time. It says here to Titus that you hold fast to the faithful word, have you, as you have been taught it, that you may be able by sound doctrine. Your doctrine has to be sound if you are both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. It's no wonder, isn't it, that the, that the Muslims and these people who love their doctrine and love their book, they walk all over many Christians because they don't know the word of God and they don't understand the doctrine. 2 John 9 and 10 says, Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. Strong words. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. If there come any unto you, and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him Godspeed. We must be adhering to the teaching of Christ, and the teaching therefore of the Apostles. Anyone who doesn't abide in the teaching of Christ is not of Christ. He that is or does abideth in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. And if somebody comes to you with anything other, as we read in Galatians chapter 1, with another gospel, have nothing to do with them. Don't even bid them Godspeed, it says. 1 John 4, 6 says, We are of God. He that knoweth God, heareth us. That's a very telling statement. If you are of God, then you will hear the apostles and you will receive. We are of God. That's what John says. He that knoweth God hears us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Again, just going back to what I said about Paul. If there are people who say, I don't agree with Paul, I don't like his doctrine.
then they're not of God. Because it says here, the apostles, we are of God. He that knoweth God, a hearer's. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. We know that God through his word, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that's how we know God. Through his word, by the power of the Holy Spirit. That witnesses with your spirit that you're a child of God when you are converted when you are born again of the Spirit of God. Even if we're in constant prayer, but lack being in the Word of God, how can we know who we're praying to? How will we be protected from falling into error? We must let the Word of God dwell in us richly which we read in Colossians 3.16, let the word of God dwell in you richly. Deuteronomy 32.1-3 says this, Give ear, O ye heavens, and I will speak, and hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. My doctrine shall drop as the rain, my speech shall distill as the dew, as the small rain upon the tender herb and as the showers upon the grass because I will publish the name of the Lord ascribe ye greatness unto our God friends it is a day and an hour that we must give ear to hear God because we live in a day with so much error we live in a day with so much opinion. We live in a day where the Bible is closed and the philosophies of man are taught in churches and are leading people astray, are deceiving people and deceiving themselves and creating great big so-called churches with so many followers but they can't rightly divide the word and they don't rightly divide the word. And they don't know the teaching of the apostles and therefore they don't know the teaching of Christ and therefore they don't know the teaching of God. We must give ourselves to hear. If we don't want to fall into error, that's what we need to give ourselves to is this and ask God to show us and reveal and work and to listen to those who God has sent. Primarily in the scriptures but also through those that God has given to be over you. Now that doesn't mean that everything that they say you, you just need to accept as gospel. People at the front of these places get things wrong. You need to test them. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't be listening to them. Otherwise, what are we doing here? What's the fellowship all about? But nevertheless, we need to be Bereans and we need to take away what we've heard and look into the scriptures to see if these things are so don't just take my word for it everything i've said today if you want my notes you can have them take them away look at them watch the video back again go away and see if these things are so that's your responsibility 
as much as it is mine to go into these words here and to pray and to seek God and ask him to help me to deliver to you the word of God. We all have responsibility. And by God's grace, we're in a place that we will continue to do that so that we, wherever we are, whatever job it is we're in, whatever our family's like, we will be those who are apt and able to exhort and to uh, deal with those who gain, try and gainsay the truth. If, you don't, if you're not in the scriptures, friends, if you're not in the Bible, if you're not in prayer, you're not going to have any ability and you'll simply be walked all over by the enemy. So let us put ourselves let us do as it says in this scripture. Let's continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and therefore in Christ's doctrine and therefore in God's doctrine. Amen.